Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Listener, you're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with an audio adaptation of frightening fiction about sacred silence. I'm your host of the evening, Nick Goroff. Standing in for our dear friend Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of A.Y. Holiday, our voice talents, Olivia Steele, Melissa Medina, Heather Ordover, Kyle Stroud, and me, Nick Goroff. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Tonight's Wicked Tale of the Evening comes to us from author A.Y. Holiday and is performed Olivia Steele, Melissa Medina, Heather Ordover, Kyle Stroud, and me, Nick Goroff. In it, we'll meet Tanya, a girl making the dreaded trip back to a Catholic boarding school after a holiday at home. A home life wasn't perfect, but it was where her heart was. She wishes to leave the school and gets what she asked for, at a price. Without further ado, I present to you, Brightly Dim.
Tanya's mother drove at a steady but fast pace along the snowy winding roads of Maryland, trying to edge off minutes from their hours-long trip back up north. She wouldn't dare tell her daughter she was that eager to drop her back off at St. Mary's. The short stint back home during Thanksgiving break was quite enough for her. Ready to see your friends again, girly? Her mother hushed over the loud engine, breaking the awkward silence. Not really. I see them enough. I see them every single day, Tanya said slowly, without even looking up from the latest teenage pop culture magazine she'd purchased before the trip. Unlike you, she added quietly under her breath. Their relationship had been strained ever since Tanya's mother banished her away to the Catholic boarding school up in Pennsylvania two years prior. She assured Tanya that it was because she needed to focus on school, but it was really because she wanted to focus on her latest husband, one who was not very fond of Tanya's presence. Of course, she knew this, she felt this, so thus Tanya pushed away just as hard. Can you believe it? We will see a new decade in a few weeks' time. I wonder what 1980s fashion will have in store for all of us. I hope we aren't all walking around in tarps and calling it art couture. <laughs> Her mother chuckled. Tanya sighed with a slight annoyance as she flipped the page of her magazine. I doubt we will see that together, mother dear. I'm sure Walt will whisk you away to some tropical private island that nobody's ever heard of and leave me here to collect dust. Okay, Tonya, I tried. I tried with you. I've been trying with you. I'll leave you to sit there with your attitude. Kids turn 13 and I swear the bad attitude comes along with it instantly. It's already enough that you ruined our Thanksgiving sitting around sulking, rolling those eyes around like they had dice. Tanya sat still in the seat, tears beginning to well up in her brown eyes. She threw the magazine to the car floor and looked out of the passenger window, crossing her arms in a huff. Please just stop talking to me. You'll say anything to convince yourself that you aren't a terrible mother that gave her child away just to please some rich chump with bad breath. Her mother let out a slight laugh while tapping her fingers along the steering wheel. <laughs> Real mature, kiddo. So much for being a teenager now, huh? Look, Tonya, you may not like him, but we need him. And sometimes in life you have to make choices that other people may not like. You won't understand it now, but you will appreciate it when you get older. You will understand when you have children of your own someday, someone to take care of or provide for. Things are not easy for me alone. So Walter is the one taking care of both of us. And it will stay that way. I won't ruin this one. Not for anyone, Tonya. Not for anyone. They sat the rest of the four-hour-long ride along the I-95 in a burning silence. Both now in a terrible mood not even bothering to glance over at each other in fear of starting another argument. Once Tanya could see the chapel turn school off into the distance, she sat up in relief. As much as she hated the place, 
She would rather be there than in the car with her mother. The entry parking lot was crowded and full of smog that stained the snow and off-white, misty air due to hordes of parents dropping their insufferable children back off for the end of the break. Tanya peeled the crowd for the slightest glimpse of someone she knew, but mostly for one of her two best friends who also went away during the break. Do you need help with your bags? Her mother said in a short tone, while looking at her nails and secretly hoping she would say no. So, when is the next time that I'll see you, mother? A year? Two years? Three years? The year 1990? She said quietly. Not sure, girl. I can't promise you anything. Especially with the way that you've been acting as of late. I think it's best that we spend time apart to cool off. This atmosphere isn't good for any of us. I liked it better when it was just me and you! She interrupted. All of those times in between men, even the time after dad, were those times all so bad? You actually spent time with me, and we did lots of things together. Why do you have to dump me off like this? Why do you always have to become a different person when you're with a new man? Her mother gripped the steering wheel and gleamed straight ahead, trying desperately to tune out her pleading child. Goodbye, Tonya. I am not dealing with this right now. Call me if you need anything. Make it serious. As if, Tanya yelled while slamming the passenger door shut. She snatched her things out of the back seats and began making her way to the crowded sidewalk. Sorry that I'm such a burden to you, she said while storming off, catching the attention of the people around her. She wiped tears and snow out of her eyes with one arm while lugging her bags with the other. Suddenly, she felt the weight from her right arm give. Let me get this for you. A familiar voice said from her right. Frankie took each bag in both hands and trotted alongside her, waiting for her to speak. So, I guess I don't have to ask how your trip was? He said through gritted teeth. Tanya cut her eyes at him as they both made their way across the campus and towards the girls' dormitory. The arms of the dead trees danced around the gray sky like vines. I hate her. She is such a narcissist, she cried. Frankie twisted his mouth in confusion for a while, but finally gave in to his curiosity. What does that mean? He said gently. Tanya slammed her eyes shut with irritation. Ugh! She cried while stomping away from him. Her pace began to slow as she saw a figure sitting on a stone bench next to a partially frozen fountain. The figure, cloaked in dark fabric, was visibly shaking, while two nuns tried to console them. The figure turned around after hearing the crunching of snowy steps halt behind them. It was Sam. She had stayed behind during Thanksgiving break, with no family willing to pick her up. Out of the three friends, she had been at St. Mary's the longest. It was rumored that she was an orphan taken in by the school in the early 60s, when they were still but a place of worship. But that wasn't quite true. Sam was the child of a heroin addict, one who had been taken away from her troubling background. Instead of being placed in the system, she was given away to the convent, then made to attend there after they turned into a private boarding school. Sam had distant family members, 
but none of them wanted anything to do with the addict's child. She was also a castaway, which was why she and Tanya got along so well. Her usually pale nose and cheeks, all that was visible beyond the dark abrasive fabric cloaked around her, were as red as a flame, being stung by the cold, wet air. She reached her nearly frostbitten hand towards her friend, who then ran by her side. Tanya kneeled down in the snow next to the bench, looking up at one of the nuns. "'What's wrong, Sam? What happened?' she said frantically. "'The other girls told us that she's been out here since last night. She hasn't said but a word. We have no idea.' She leaned forward and looked Sam directly in her blank eyes. "'Speak, child.' The nun added, growing rather impatient. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Frankie placed his hand on Sam's shoulder, but snatched it away just as quickly when he received a disapproving look from the other nun. Well, I should get going. I really should not be over here. He said while slowly placing down Tanya's other bag and backing away. Tanya ignored him and kept her focus on Sam, who was still shaking and staring blankly ahead. Let's get this girl back inside before she freezes to death. We all have class tomorrow. The impatient nun said under a cloud of condensation. Tanya grabbed her bags and walked beside Sam and the nuns, watching for any sign of a word. They made their way inside the entrance of the dormitory, and the nun stopped by the front door. Get her to bed quickly, the quieter nun said, before turning around both leaving in a hurry. Tanya glanced back over at Sam, who was already making her way up the stairs at a snail's pace. Both bags in tow, she quickly caught up to Sam and nudged her with one of the bags. Are you going to tell me what happened? Were you really sitting outside all night? You missed me that much, huh? She laughed while trying to lighten the mood. Sam stared ahead as she weakly made her way up the last step, a single tear falling from her right eye. I... I made a mistake. I... I sh- sh- should have never gone out there. She whispered through a hoarse breath, 
I mean, duh, silly. It must be 20 or so degrees outside. Even colder during the night. No! She screamed while grabbing Tanya by both shoulders, the dark blanket slipping from her own shoulders and falling to the floor. The left side of her nightgown stained a rusty brown and smelling of iron. Tanya's eyes widened as she looked at the sight before her, then to a small group of girls a few feet away who began to giggle. "'Golly, Sam, you didn't have any tampons on you?' she said while picking up her blanket and placing it back around Sam. "'It's not mine. It's, it's not my blood, Tanya,' she said through a sudden sob. Beginning to feel embarrassed, Tanya looked away and scratched her curly black hair, taking a few steps away from Sam and reclaiming her bags. She rushed past the group of judgmental girls who blurted wacko towards her, but meant more for Sam. She grabbed the stained brass doorknob to her room and opened it profusely, almost throwing her bags inside and then quickly making her way back to Sam, who was standing alone and still sobbing. Sam, please stop. You're embarrassing us. Let's get you to your room first, okay? She quietly pleaded near Sam's ear. She slowly nodded, yes, and Tanya grabbed her wrist with an iron grip and marched right back past the group of girls, opening Sam's dorm room which was located across the hall from hers. She peeked her head out of the door and yelled, SHOVE IT! while displaying her tiny middle finger. One of the girls scoffed before she slammed the door shut. What the hell, Sam? You have those girls laughing at us. They're going to tell everyone tomorrow. She whined while stomping. They ate her. Sister Ruth. They ripped her heart out with their bare hands. Tanya threw her arms into the air and plopped herself into a chair near Sam's side of the room. Sam, we are teenagers now. No more little kid campfire stories. Get a grip. Sam suddenly rushed over and pounced on Tanya, knocking the chair backwards and both of them onto the floor. I'm not lying. I first saw them Wednesday night, after everyone left, and then they killed Sister Ruth Saturday night. I saw it all. The blood. The blood. They know. They know that I saw. They've been following me ever since. Stay silent. Keep still. She said frantically, while violently shaking Tanya by the shoulders. Get off of me! You're scaring me! She said with wide eyes, looking up at Sam in fear while her matted, mousy brown hair dangled across her face. Please, just get off of me and go shower! Lay down and stop being a creeper! She huffed. She pushed Sam away and awkwardly stood up from the fallen chair, she quickly made her way to the door, turning around once more to Sam, who was still kneeling on the floor, rocking back and forth. Look, I'll see you tomorrow during Mass, okay? I just cannot deal with all of this right now. I have my own problems, she said pleadingly. She slowly closed the door and walked across the hallway without looking back, feeling slightly like a terrible friend and also slightly feeling relieved to be out of the situation. The hallway was now eerily quiet, and rather empty. There was no way to tell the time of day by looking outside, 
but the sky was a blank, electric blue, telling her that it was definitely late evening or nighttime. The group of girls had disappeared, just one or two girls down below in the commons room, sitting quietly and minding their own business. Tanya gathered fresh clothes from her room and made her way to the shower, only thinking about the moment she could lay in bed and forget about the agonizing week prior. To forget about Walter, to forget about her mother, to forget about Sam, to forget about how she couldn't sleep in the next morning, to forget about how she wanted to see Silent Scream at the movies, but Walt forced them to stay home and watch The Little House Years and eat her mother's incredibly dry turkey, because Tanya was still a little kid and too young for that movie. She wanted to melt all of her stress away like spring snow, melt into the stiff mattress in her dorm, and focus on nothing but herself for a while. The snores from her roommates made her sit upright in her bed, grabbing a handful of her curls in each hand in frustration. Contemplating banging her head against the wall, Tanya grabbed her clock and slammed it back down after she traced the slender arms in the dark feeling as though they mockingly pointed out 3.18 a.m. She threw the duvet off of her, slipping on a pair of two small shoes she had conveniently under her bed, and slowly made her way to the window. The girls' dorm was at the furthest, northern reach of campus ground, purposely built that far away to deter curious boys from venturing to that restricted area. Tanya's room was against the west wing, which looked off into a centuries-old graveyard built before the tree line of the dark Pennsylvania wilderness. Many of the girls joked about ghouls or ghosts, which was off-limits to say unless the word holy came before it, living in the graveyard. But she knew it was nonsense. She leaned forward and blew her hot breath against the cold glass until it condensed, writing the words, St. Mary Sucks before it slowly disappeared into the glass. While the words went away as quickly as they came, something else caught her eye. The tree line appeared to dance in her peripheral vision. She focused her eyes past the graveyard, squinting through the flurries of snow that fell like weights from the chrome-colored sky. A small, brightly dim, light-gray circle bloomed from around the dark bark of the forest. Then another, then two more, then four more, until there was a group of ten floating circles amongst the dark. Tanya quickly realized that they were not floating gray circles, but faces. Faces with bodies that were cloaked in a dark robe, a rich maroon color. She shrugged it off as wayward girls who snuck out of the dorms to go play in the woods. She crossed her arms before her, contemplating telling one of the sisters since she had nothing else better to do, until she realized that one of the heads seemed to lack hair. Tanya knew of almost everyone at school, and none of the girls were... bald. That was right before she realized that all of the heads were bald. What the hell? She said to herself in confusion. Maybe they're adults, she thought, but she couldn't let it go. She also wanted to make sure she wasn't losing her mind, that the lack of sleep was not causing her to see things that were not there. 
She quietly opened her door and snuck across the creaking wooden hallway floor to Sam's door. There was always at least one nun on duty downstairs, making sure nobody came in or out during the night, and Tanya did not want to catch her attention. She opened the door as gently as possible to ensure she didn't wake Sam's roommate. Sam? Sam! She loudly whispered. She stood still when she saw that Sam was already awake, holding her legs close to her chest and rocking back and forth in bed. Shh! They will find me! Sam moaned out loud, her eyes bloodshot from the constant crying. People in red cloaks? Tanya said while sitting next to her. Sam immediately stopped rocking and darted her eyes past Tanya and towards the doorway. You saw them too! They ate Sister Ruth, she said in a monotone voice. Will you shut your mouth, Psycho Sammy? One of her older roommates blurted from her sleep. Will you please shut her up? She's been going on and on all night. The rest of us are trying to sleep, and we have to be up in four hours, she added, while slowly sitting up and redirecting her anger towards Tanya. All right, Megan, please just calm down before one of the sisters come up, Tanya whispered. She grabbed Sam by the arm and forced her off the bed. You're coming to my room, okay? It was then that Tanya realized that she still had on the same bloodstained nightgown from earlier. She never even changed clothes. She sighed in disgust and let her out of the room. They made their way across the hall right before a bright light shined upon them. Sister Elizabeth stood at the turn of the stairs with one hand on her hip and the other holding a flashlight. And what exactly is going on here? She said in her husky voice. Tanya, using her left arm to stop the blinding light from burning her pupils, was frozen in fear, not knowing what to say. Sam suddenly gasped, snatched her arm out of Tanya's grip, and fell back onto the floor behind her. Suddenly, a gray face grew from behind Sister Elizabeth. She did not turn to look behind her. Instead, her old voice let out a dull groan while her eyes rolled to the back of her head. What little bit of neck shone on the elderly woman slowly bulged forward as if she swallowed an apple whole. It pushed and prodded right before a speck of red peered through splitting further apart and revealing what was a fingernail and flesh, and then three fingers, blood now splattering on the floor and pouring out from her eyes. She lunged forward, expressing a whole hand straight through her wide neck. The figure emerged from behind Sister Elizabeth's dark habit, slowly extending its body to full length. Standing seven feet tall at the least, it smiled a sharp, yellow, blood-stained grin. Its bare, gray head gleamed in the dim hallway light. The blood from the nun's neck spouted onto its dark red cloak and immediately disappeared. With his hand still impaled through her neck, he lifted his arm and dangled Sister Elizabeth by the throat. Tanya let out a scream loud enough to wake the entire school before turning to her left and finding Sam gone. She furiously turned the doorknob to her room to no avail. She kicked on the rotting wood of the door, pleading for someone to open it. Sam, stop holding 
the door shut and let me in! She cried. She glanced back over at the tall figure, still smiling as the nun's dangling body began to spasm ferociously. He made a bloody fist out of his pale, lengthy fingers and swung the nun's body around as if she were a flag. I can't. I can't, Sam said frantically from behind the safety of the door. He will get me. They will get me. I I can't, can't open the door. Tanya wasted not a single second more. She began to bang on the door across the hall. Megan swung the door open with anger. She was puzzled to find it was Tanya banging on the door instead of Sam. She cut her eyes over the levitating nun, and they quickly widened. The figure loosened his fist into a straight point. He threw out his arm, which sent the nun flying out from his wrist. Megan let out a faint scream before the now-dead nun's heavy body collapsed on top of her, causing them both to fall back into the room. Tanya pushed her way inside of the room, kicking the nun's limp legs from out of the doorway so it would close. Get up and help me! She cried to Megan as she fiddled with the door. The girl struggled to free herself from the nun's paralyzing restraint, dragging herself out from under her. She stood up and pulled on the nun's arm to make room. Tanya put all of her weight into her shoulders, tackling the door repeatedly with all her might. Hurry up! She pleaded. The other two girls in the room were beginning to waken, slowly sitting up in confusion. It was then that the door flew open, knocking Tanya to the ground. She fell beside the nun and immediately crawled backwards, trying to get away from the thing. The girls began screaming as their eyes fell upon the bare, brightly dim face of the thing. His eyes were completely black, as if they were fresh coals mined from the earth. His skin, slick with grease, shed the most putrid smell imaginable, like a decaying possum on the side of the road. He placed his long, bloody finger in front of his thin lips, all while keeping that devilish grin. As he signaled for the girl's silence, he knelt down and picked up Sister Elizabeth's body. I earned it. I keep it. He said in a short, raspy tone as he lifted her body with one arm and hoisted it over his skinny, broad shoulder. One of the bedbound girls fainted and fell back into the sheets. The other covered her face in terror. The creature pointed to Tanya with its long black nails. I never forget a face, he said with a calming smile. And we never miss a meal. So stay silent and keep still. He slowly backed out of the doorway, keeping a sharp and jagged smile. He turned to Tanya's doorway and stood still for a few seconds. Then he leaned forward, placing his open bloody palm upon the door and whispered the words, You didn't stay silent. Now you will be our meal. Sam let out a muffled shriek from behind the door. The thing made its way to the stairs and disappeared back into the dark. Tanya's breathing grew heavy as she stared at the long, bloody handprint on her door. She suddenly felt a jolt through her chest and a pain inside of her head. She lost her vision and passed out on the cold wooden floor, hitting her head with a slam on the way down. Hey, 
Wake up. Please wake up. A voice said from beyond the fog of her thoughts. Her eyelids slowly retracted, the faint morning light of the now clear sky partially blinding her. She pushed herself up with her hands, looking around frantically. Chunks of congealed blood sat under her palms and caused her grip to slip. Megan, who was leaning over her, helped her to her feet. One of the girls from the night before was packing her bags. She had gone to the front office at the break of dawn to call her mother. She was leaving the school. For good. The other roommate was nowhere to be seen. Your roommates told the sisters about Sam. They've been trying to get her out of your room all morning. Some of the sisters are convinced that she's... possessed. Megan paused. She glanced up at the girl frantically packing her things, then back at Tanya and whispered, They want to get rid of her and get her out of the school. But we saw what she saw. We know. We know nothing. I know nothing. I didn't see a thing. Tanya exclaimed as she brought her bloody hands to her ears to drown out the words being spoken. It was not a dream. It wasn't even a nightmare. Tanya now knew. She knew why Sam was inconsolable. And now she believed. As much as I don't like Sam, we, we can't. Tanya slammed her foot to the ground and grabbed her forcefully by her slouching shoulder. Stay silent, remember? Tanya hissed. She pushed her way past Megan and left the room to find a crowd around her doorway. She quickly cut her eyes at the dried, bloody handprint smacked right in the middle of the old, dark wood. Please move! This is my room! She said while shoving her way through nosy girls and curious nuns. Sam was screaming and flailing around like a snared animal while being held down by two nuns. Father Nicholas stood above her. He was sweating profusely, perplexed at what decision to make next while three other nuns barraged him with suggestions. Don't touch her. The demon be spread. One of the standing nuns whispered to him. She's not possessed. She's... she's just sick. Tanya interrupted. The eyes around the room all glanced over at her. Where did this blood on her gown come from? Has anyone seen Sister Elizabeth? She was supposed to be keeping watch throughout the night. She's dead! They're coming for me next, then you will all be dead! Said Sam with eyes wider than the sky. The nun, previously rubbing her arms hastily, made her way to Sam and slapped her clear across the face. Nonsense. You will stop this at once. Mass is in less than an hour. Get yourself together, put your uniform on, and get yourself downstairs before you earn the paddle. Sister Meredith, you know we're not allowed to do good in Interrupted a younger nun. The older nun turned to her in a fury, and the younger one immediately looked away. And who'll stop me? Her mother? The addict? The junkie that left her out on the street right in front of the steps of our chapel? This is why she's the way she is. That poison tainted her spirit. She stormed back over, pushed the struggling nuns away, and snatched Sam up by one arm. She let out a scream as she was pulled by the arm, her shoulder burning at the socket. I hope you're next! Sam barked at Sister Meredith as she struggled against her grasp. She reached out to Tanya with the other arm, who was turning beet red in the face. Stay silent, Tanya! 
she recalled while her and the nun left the room. All right, everyone out! Father Nicholas yelled while making a sweeping motion with his arms. Everyone should be on time today. Show up to all of your classes. He took out a handkerchief and wiped sweat from his wrinkled forehead. Are you all right, Father? One of the nuns said while rushing over to him. He immediately scanned the room for Tanya, who tried to hurry out with the crowd. He caught up to her and stood in the doorway. You, come to my office, immediately. He glanced at the dried print on the outside of the door before attempting to wipe it off with his sweaty handkerchief. Tanya nodded and followed the man down the stairs. Keep still. The sinister but sing-songy voice of the thing repeated in her head like a tape recorder. Tanya's shorter legs had trouble keeping up with the fast-paced trot the priest had set before her. Every now and again, he would take a quick glance back at her to make sure she trailed behind, never once mentioning a word until they made it across the campus and directly in front of his office door. He gestured aggressively for her to enter, commanding her to sit before she was through the doorway. Tanya slowly sunk into the chair and sat awkwardly with the slouch. She knew that if her mother could witness her posture, she'd be sure to get an awful pinch and be told to sit up straight. The sudden onslaught of the thought caused her to extend her back as straight as she possibly could, gaining confidence to confront the father with lies. What am I here for? I don't know anything, she said while pretending to be inconvenienced. Why did the girl say that to you? Stay silent. Stay silent about what exactly? You are well aware that it is a sin to lie. Therefore, I expect to get the absolute truth out of you. The room went silent. Tanya wasn't a very religious person, but since her time at St. Mary's, she'd start to become wary of breaking biblical rules. Out of fear, of course. She averted her gaze away from Father Nicholas and towards an old, frost-glazed window sitting a few feet above his head. Speak, child. The father interrupted as he slammed his hand against the desk. She jumped immediately and slammed her eyes shut to avoid the stressor before her. Tanya slowly opened her eyes again, this time staring at him. He has one eyebrow raised while anticipating her response, the sweat on his forehead finally starting to evaporate into nothingness. She saw something swaying faintly behind Father Nicholas at the window. Something long, something sharp, something a pale gray. Everything inside of Tanya told her not to look up, but she could not help it. She needed to know if what she felt that she may be seeing was actually what was there. The color in her face drained immediately when she finally dared herself to look up. Two dark voids of nothingness planted behind the window before her. The lack of color within them made it seem as if it was staring everywhere, all at once. Those sharp, buttery yellow teeth widened into a grin, its finger wagging to and fro, signaling to her, no, no, no. The disapproving finger brought her back to reality. She averted her gaze from the thing to avoid directing any attention towards it. Nothing, 
Like I said, Sam is sick. She's been sick for days. How do you think she feels having to sit here all weekend with no family to come for her? She... she's just lashing out. She's always been melodramatic like that. She's hurt. Father Nicholas paused, then took a deep breath. He looked down and picked up a rusty pen from the top of the desk and began to twirl it around his fingers. Tanya took this moment to look back at the window. She huffed a sigh of relief to find it empty. Nothing but flurries of snow scattered around the pane of the glass. I believe that you and this student are pulling some sort of practical joke or prank. It's nonsense. I will have to call your mother about this. Let go of me, you old hag! You're gonna get me killed! Sam cried while hammering Sister Meredith's hand with her small fist. You will not make a mockery of this institution. You will behave yourself. God will see to it. The nun growled through gritted teeth. She drug Sam through the corridors of the school, still strewn in her putrid stained nightgown. Glances and gasps scattered around the spectacle as they made their way across campus and towards a dark, dank basement. Sister Meredith fiddled with the locks impatiently as Sam fought against her, kicking and twisting around. She threw the door open and pulled the child down the stairs behind her as if she were toting a heavy sack of spuds. She threw the girl down at the base of the wooden steps. The nun dusted her habit in various places, frowning at the mess the altercation made of her usually neat appearance. You will stay down here until you repent. I won't have you influencing the minds of your peers with your immorality. She said while swiping at the brown powder on her black fabric. You didn't stay silent. Now you will be our meal. A voice whispered from the black voids of the basement. The nun froze immediately, thinking that her stillness would help her focus on what she heard. Her eyes shot out at Sam, who was cowering in the corner against the cold stone wall. What did you say? She yelled aggressively. It wasn't me! Sam gasped. The basement door at the top of the steps slammed shut. The sound of chuckles rang around the dark, musty air, varying in tone and pitch. Sister Meredith cried out in fear and began running up the wooden planks. A ghastly gray hand emerged from the space between them, grabbing her ankle and pulling it forward, snapping the bones in one swift motion. The ear-piercing scream made Sam protect her head with her arms. The nun cried. She dug her finger into the splintering wood, trying to make it up to the door while exposed bone drug along the abrasive steps. Her struggling hand grasped a smooth leather material, causing her to grow silent and look out into the darkness before her. The nun made it out to be a shoe. Please help me, father, she pleaded. The shoe tore away from the feeble hand and stomped on it with force. More laughs rung around the room, encouraging the spectacle. The glimmers of a dozen or so pupils glittered the darkness in various colors, as if fireless had made the old basement their home. Now you will be our meal. Loud, demonic shrieks rang in the air, and Sam felt gusts of wind breeze by her and stampede towards the helpless woman lying on the stairwell. 
The sound of screaming, tearing fabric, and flesh squelching between fingers made her shake uncontrollably, still covering her head. Splatters of blood rained upon her in the darkness, coating her in a fresh layer of blood. The screaming finally stopped, but the feasting did not. Sam was too afraid to look up from behind the shield of her rather helpless arms. A hand gently placed itself on top of hers. Please, I'll keep still. I will stay silent. I, I, I promise this time I will... She cried without looking. The grip of the hand tightened around hers and flung her arm from the position. Too late. Now they know. We are revealed. Once you're all dead, we will go. Tanya hung her head low while trying to drown out the sound of her mother's harsh words. You really just had to pull a stunt like this. Do you... Are you aware of how much it costs to send you to that damn school every year? I get that you want attention, Tanya, but this isn't it. But mother, it's not. You don't understand, she pleaded. I, I can't tell you over the phone, okay? She whispered. Suspension. God, I cannot believe that you managed to get yourself suspended from a Catholic school, Tanya. Walt is going to be so pissed. I don't care about Walt, mother. Yeah, I can see that. Now, I have to make the drive all the way back up there. Gasoline is going up, you know. But of course, you wouldn't care about that, you spoiled brat. I'm so disappointed in you. I am not dealing with you today. I will be there tomorrow morning. They can figure out what to do with you until then. Mother, please, wait! A click ended the line, and silence filled Tanya's ears. She slammed the handset into the rotary phone three times, making the dial jump with an eerie tune. That's enough. Now, you've already missed Mass, but you are not exempt from your classes today. Each teacher will give you a set of assignments to complete upon your week away. Do not think that this is some sort of holiday. You will be expected to finish everything given to you by your return next week, or you will face harsh consequences. I also expect you to pray every single day, asking forgiveness for your foolishness. I will ask your mother if these duties were met. Understood, child? Tanya fought back tears and looked Father Nicholas in his green eyes. I am not a child. She stood up in a huff and snatched his office door open. She stomped across campus, ignoring all of the grins and waves that came her way. Suddenly, a hand wrapped itself around her right wrist, causing her to release a blood-curdling scream. Oh, Tanya, cool out, Frankie said putting both hands up in embarrassment. She was relieved to see it was human. It was just Frankie. Relieved, she slouched down, placing her hands on her knees. What has been going on with you? I've been hearing things about you. And Sam. I am suspended. <laughs> Somehow I got suspended because Sam wanted to spaz out. She chuckled while still bending over, knowing that she was only telling a half-truth. Something about Sam screaming that we're all gonna die? <laughs> F 
Frankie, please just shut it, okay? Just stop and let it go. She began to walk away from him, hoping that he would go on about his day. But why can't I know? You guys never fill me in on anything, always keeping things from me. And what's with the fake blood all over your hands? Pulling a cool prank and not even letting me tag along really sucks, you know? Or, or is that, like, lady stuff? Because that is so gross. Tanya rolled her eyes, growing frustrated as he followed her across campus like a lost puppy. She turned him out to the best of her abilities, allowing him to talk to himself. She wanted to answer his questions, but she knew that she shouldn't. She would not dare. She scanned the top of the building around her, feeling as if there were a set of opals for eyes watching her every move. Always watching. A gust of wind made her shiver in her pajamas. She hastened the pace to a small trot to get away from the stinging cold. The first period bells rang by the time she made it to the entrance of the girls' dormitory. She turned behind her to see absolutely nothing. Tanya felt slightly bummed and mostly concerned that Frankie was long gone and no longer talking to the back of her head. She hadn't even noticed that he had left her minutes ago. Actually, the whole campus was eerily quiet. So very still. Not even the faintest hint of a student, nun, or teacher outside around her. The uncomfortable atmosphere grew too much, and she ran inside and up the stairs of the dorm. What is happening to me? She thought out loud. She was about to go right back home to Maryland, almost as quickly as she left. She tried to weigh the pros and cons in her head. Thank God I can get away from those things. Get away from this place. But those things... What if they follow me? What if they... She turned the old doorknob to her empty room and made her way to her bed. She began to make it up in her mind that she would spend the whole week back home, begging and pleading with her mother to transfer her over to a new school, back to an even crappier public school. May as well pack all of my bags then, because I won't be coming back here, that's for sure, she said definitively. She braced her hands against her bed and placed her feet underneath it, trying to take off each shoe with the other foot. The toe of her left shoe hit against something, which confused her. Tanya never kept anything beneath her bed, except for the old pair of shoes that she still had on. She figured that one of the many onlookers from earlier may have left something under her bed when they invaded her room. She casually crouched down and lifted the dingy white skirt bordering her mattress. Tanya still saw absolute darkness underneath the bed, so she stuck her hand out rather quickly to grab for the object instead. She felt around in the dark, and suddenly her finger got caught in a web of strands. She grabbed the foreign object and gently pulled it, realizing it was rather heavy. Horror isn't even the best word to describe what she felt as she held the severed head of Sam by the tangled, mousy brown strands of her hair. The head hit the wooden floor with a thud. She stumbled back until she could feel the doors of her wardrobe hit her backside. Absolutely stricken with fear, 
Tanya did not know whether to cry for her dearly departed friend, or cry because she may very well be next. There was no way she could stay there another day. She darted out of her door and ran down the hall and stairs so quickly that she almost tumbled down them. She stood outside the entrance of the dormitory, looking around frantically for any sign of authority. Help! Help me! She sobbed. A nun walked out of the building across from her and yelled to her from a distance. What is the matter? Why are you screaming like a lunatic? Why aren't you dressed and in class? She ran over and grabbed the nun by the hand. She wasted no time forcefully guiding the nun back inside, back up the stairs, and into her dorm room. Look! It's Sam! She pointed. The nun snatched her arm out of Tanya's grip and pulled her by the ear. What kind of games are you playing? There is nothing here. Tanya shook her head in disbelief. She knew what she saw because she held it in her very hands. She swiped the woman's hand away and paced around the room. No, no, it was right there. Sam's head was under my bed. But the head was gone. Not a trace of it anywhere around the room. Not even a speck of blood. She knew she was not just imagining things. Something had come into her room right after she left. Tanya filled with rage, realizing that they were toying with her. She clasped her hands over her mouth immediately. Stay silent. She reminded herself right at the nick of time. I am telling Father Nicholas of this. You and your friend have caused enough trouble today. Tanya threw up her hands and shrugged at the nun. Go ahead, tell him. I want to leave now. Not tomorrow, now. Usually the dormitory telephone was off-limits during school hours and was locked in a glass encasing that only the faculty had access to. Feeling desperate, she knew that she had to call her mother back by any means necessary. Young lady? Let me use the telephone if you don't, I swear. I'll tell everyone that you people abuse me. I'll even tell the local news, I swear. She threatened. The nun felt concerned, and she knew that Tanya meant every word by how frantically she was shaking. You devilish child. She promptly turned and left the room. Tanya followed. Rather expeditiously, they walked down the stairs of the dorm. The nun scowled at Tanya, then pulled a key out of her pocket and proceeded to unlock the glass container. She wasted no time picking up the handset and dialing her mother's number. It rang for a few seconds, then she heard the familiar voice over the line. Yes, hello, her mother said impatiently. Mother, please, just listen. What is it now, Tonya? What have you done? Her eyes glazed over her surroundings. The nun slapped her index finger on an empty spot on her wrist. Tanya knew that she needed to be careful about what she would say next. Please, come get me now. I don't want to wait until tomorrow. It's not about what you want, Tanya. That is what you're always failing to realize. Tanya tried to hold back tears. The panic and frustration was beginning to be too much for her to handle. But you told me to call you if I needed anything serious. This is it. Mother, this is serious. Please just come get me. The conversation went quiet for a few seconds before her mother let out a sigh. 
Look. Look, I am busy right now. Walter and his driver agreed to come get you tomorrow. I think it's best that you two spend a little time together anyways. A four-hour drive would be perfect for that. I don't care as long as it's today, and I don't want to come back here, Mother. She heard her mother ask Walter a few questions in the background. Then she spoke directly to her. You are lucky that he has a free schedule today, Tonya. They agreed to leave now. You need to be ready as soon as he gets there, though. He doesn't have time to wait around for you. A sigh of relief escaped her voice. Thanks, Mother. The line ended without another word. She could care less that her mother was inconvenienced or upset by her demands, but she knew that they were very much necessary. The hardest part now was behind her. Tanya no longer had to wait until tomorrow. She could possibly be gone by the afternoon. Don't you think that Father Nicholas won't hear about this? Now, go get dressed and get to class until your parents get here. Oh, they'll have a talking to about your behavior. She said as she slammed the case shut and fiddled with the key. Tanya ignored her and ran right up to her room to shower and pack her bags. She turned that old crusty knob of her door, one that she was praying she'd never see again. Fear struck her like the plague as she saw a figure cloaked in an ancient maroon fabric facing her window. Close the door, it said in the softest, sinister voice. I... I didn't say anything, I... I know, but you owe us something. Give it to us, and we shall go. I don't owe you anything. You already killed my friend. We need to feed. One last meal. One last feast. We need one to kill. It said. Tanya gained a few ounces of courage and took one step closer to the thing. What are you? We are older than time itself. And we will remain even after that, as long as we feed. But please, why me? I'll let you go. I'll let you leave. Find me one more way to feed. Tanya noticed that the thing said, I'll, not will. She knew that this thing was the ringleader of the pack. Negotiation was futile, but it was possible. Where? How? She asked rhetorically, knowing that it was for her to figure out on her own. Tanya knew that if she didn't appease the beast, it would not leave her alone. She stared at its bare head in disgust. Never did she think it was possible that skin could be so bright yet so dim at the very same time. Just stay silent and keep still. It hushed. She knew what they, it, wanted. It was either going to be her or someone else. The task before her struck her with uncertainty and fear. For the first time since her birthday, she finally had an adult decision to make. 
Tanya closed her eyes, shivered with the thought of completing the task ahead of her. She slowly opened her eyes back to a now empty room. She began to cry as she put her uniform on and finished packing. She placed them nestled behind her room door and made her exit. She left the dorm and slowly made her way to her first period class, which was more than halfway over at this point. Tonya began brainstorming and concluding while she packed, so she already had a solution to her problem. It is an unforgivable act, but sometimes in life, you have to make choices that other people may not like. She knocked on the classroom door loudly. Then the door swung open mid-knock. You're late, very late, Miss Tanya. You still will be counted as absent. A male teacher said while fiddling with a small piece of chalk in his right hand and nodding his head sarcastically. Whatever, she said under her breath. The only seat available was one right in front of the class, in front of the chalkboard. She was now forced to sit in the only seat that nobody ever wanted. Eyes and whispers from students behind her pondered her every movement. The teacher walked over to her in a pair of raggedy old loafers and smacked a stack of papers on her desk. For your little trip away, he said with a facetious smile. She rolled her eyes, and suddenly, the bell rang. She was the first one up and out of the door. She ran into the corridor and scanned the crowd until she saw Frankie and waved for him to come over. He shuffled over with a smile, genuinely happy to see his friend. Hey, Tanya, are you going to be in second period? He said, nudging her with his elbow. She avoided eye contact with him. Tanya grabbed his hand and led him away from the crowd of students. Can you come with me, please? There's something that I wanted to talk about, show you. I mean, we have 15 minutes before our next class, so why not? He shrugged. Tanya kept a hold of his hand, which made Frankie feel slightly special inside. He always had a crush on her, but he wouldn't dare make any mention of it. Where exactly are we going? She ignored him and continued to lead him further and further away, towards the northern end of campus. They passed the girls' dormitory and made their way westward, until Tanya could see the tree line in the distance. All of the students knew that the older, naughty kids snuck back there to do things, and this made Frankie feel uncertain. Um, Tanya, why are we going to the woods? This part is off-limits. She convinced herself that if she didn't respond to his inquiries, it would make it a little less real and a little more humane. They walked until the tree line was about 25 feet away, then Frankie removed himself from her grip. Look, Tanya, I really don't want to go back there, okay? You may think I'm a chicken or something for it, but I don't like this. She swung around impatiently and shook her hands in the air out of frustration. Just, just trust me, okay? She tried to ignore the anxiety in his face, knowing that it would only make it harder for her. Come on, Frankie. Do it for me she said with a disingenuous smile. He nodded and slowly took a few steps through the snow. He tried to ignore his soaking wet socks in order to please his dear friend. Once the trees were at an arm's reach, she stopped once more. Go inside. 
she pointed. Tears began to well up in his eyes. Tanya, I'm... I'm here! I did what you asked! She yelled out into the trees ahead. Who are you talking to? He cried. Will you just shut up and go in there? She said impatiently. She finally turned back around to her friend, a crying, shivering, terrified boy. Frankie was the epitome of innocence. Regret instantly filled Tanya to her core. She scanned the tree line frantically, then turned back to him. She shut her eyes out of shame and let out a sigh. Just go, Frankie, she said reluctantly. He looked down at the white ground beneath him. He felt terrible that he was not tough enough to endure whatever task she had planned for him. I'm sorry, Tanya. Go, Frankie! Get out of here! Hurry! Run! She screamed while shoving him. He staggered back slightly, then caught his balance and scurried away. Once he was far enough away, she turned back towards the tree line. She scanned her surroundings and took a few steps back, afraid that she had angered something. Give me more time. I'll find someone else, I promise, she said with uncertainty. Tanya backed slowly away from the tree line, refusing to turn her back to it. Once the individual trees turned into one dark mass from the distance, she turned and ran back towards the civilization of her campus. She could hear the late bell ringing in the distance, which made her hasten the pace. Her initial plan had failed. She had already lost one friend. She did not want to be complicit in sacrificing another. But of course, this meant that she was now putting herself at great risk. She thought about using Megan for her task, but Megan was already privy to the events that occurred the night prior, and would most likely be onto her scheme. She needed to find someone that was unsuspecting, someone that no one would miss. She trekked across the snow to her second period class, which happened to be English. Tanya grabbed the handle before it could be locked, and pushed her way inside. Still late. A nun said while glancing at her over brown spectacles. Sorry. The other students were still settling down, gossiping and bragging about irrelevant things. Frankie was the only sign of stillness within the rambunctious classroom, sitting alone in the back corner. He could feel her staring his way and refused to make eye contact with her. She walked over and kneeled next to his desk. Me and... Sam are leaving after today. We got expelled for that prank, you know, she said solemnly. He subtly glanced at her through his peripheral vision. They sent her away already, and now my stepfather is on his way to pick me up. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you sooner. I knew you'd be crushed. I don't think we'll ever see each other again, but you'll always be my friend. One of the best ones. She whispered. He turned to her, but by then she was already walking to an empty seat nearby. She could not bring herself to look at him again. She had almost betrayed the only person left who cared greatly for her. The instructor clapped her hands together twice and pointed to the chalkboard. Silence, everyone. Now, open your textbooks to page 274. 
Tanya took a look at the black clock planted on the wall above the door. She only had to wait about another hour for her way out. She completely turned the nun out, not hearing a single word, only noticing every once in a while that she would make a gesture towards the board with a ruler. Tanya placed herself on autopilot and forced herself to complete whatever task was given to her for the rest of the period. This was the home stretch, she said to herself. Moments later, the bell finally rang and everyone stood up in a hurry. The nun scurried past students and to her desk, then made her way towards Tanya. She handed her a slip of paper that had instructions for a paper that she was expected to write during her week's suspension. Tanya read it, crumbled the paper in her hands, and tossed it on the ground. As if, she said. The nun scoffed at her as she walked away. She smiled as she saw Frankie waiting for her outside. He gave a slight grin back, but raised an eyebrow. Is this really the last time I'll ever see you, Tanya? Quit spazzing! You have the house number! She joked while desperately trying to lighten the mood. The truth was, Tanya had no idea if anyone would ever see her again. She still had not fulfilled her end of the bargain, and it was almost time for her to leave. She knew without even asking that those things would not forget. They would probably follow her anywhere that she went. The thought of it made her regret saving Frankie for a split second, but she fought the doubt away. But it won't be the same with you and Sam gone. Write me letters. Or actually, maybe you could visit me once in a while. What was that thing about earlier? Near the woods? Because I was getting pretty spooked. Like clockwork, she tuned out the sound of her dear Frankie and his continuous ramblings. Tanya quietly observed the crowd for someone. Anyone who would be the most perfect, unsuspecting prey. Someone with no friends, no appeal. Someone deemed conventionally unattractive. Someone with who, in her eyes, had zero relevance. Suddenly, her concentration was broken by Father Nicholas. Tanya, your father is here. Gather your things quickly and do not forget to complete every last of your assignments. The sight of Walter alone was enough to make Tanya sick to her stomach. There was not a single other person on planet Earth who she despised more than him. She turned her face up at him and frowned. He is not my father. Ugh, she said. The feeling is mutual. Walter said in the most nonchalant tone possible. Hiya, I'm Frankie, Tanya's best friend. I've heard a lot about you, Mr. Walt. He interrupted. Walter looked at the boy up and down, frowned, then looked away as if he were too good to entertain someone of Frankie's caliber. Look, kid, it's Walter. And that's Mr. Braxton, to you. Now back up before you step on my shoes. He said while gently shoving him away with his fingertips. Tanya's face softened, and she altered her tones. You know, I actually need some help with my bags, if you don't mind. She said pleasantly. Walter scoffed, then took a look at his Rolex. I'll help you, Tanya. Frankie blurted. No, no, I need Walter's help. Thanks, though, buddy. Walter clapped his hands together and rubbed them together furiously. Let's get this going. I have sh- uh, things to do. 
he said, giving Father Nicholas a nervous chuckle. Frankie hung his head in sorrow. Tanya embraced him with the biggest hug that she could muster, then took a step back. See you around, he said softly, still looking at the semi-frozen ground beneath him. Walter shooed Frankie with one hand and pushed Tanya away with the other. Father Nicholas scolded Frankie for not heading to his next period, and both of them made their ways off. How far is your room from here? And didn't your mother tell you to have your things ready to go by the time I got here? I don't have time for this. Do I look like a baggage handler to you, kid? If I would have known, I would have asked the driver to come help. Not too far, she said in a short, monotone voice. It's just past there. She pointed, aiming her finger towards the tree line. Wait, what? You sure? I don't see a damn thing out there. I can't be walking through all this snow in these shoes. He complained, swiping snowflakes off of his expensive suit blazer. Yep, I left a few things out here during physical ed. He squinted his eyes at her and snatched her by the shoulder. What, do you think I'm stupid or something? It's cold as crap out here. And you're telling me that you all came out here during P.E.? I swear. Tanya broke free and took off as fast as she could through the snow. The snow almost swallowed her Mary Janes, but she did not care. Snot was beginning to run from her nose, making it hard for her to breathe. God damn it, Tanya! Get back here! I don't have time for your games! He screamed from behind her, struggling to keep up. The tree line drew closer and closer in her sights. Again, she stopped right before the trees were at an arm's reach. Walter snatched her from behind and flung her down into the icy snow. Ugh! I'm gonna kill you, kid! He screamed while hitting her with a volley of slaps across the head. I'm here! I came back like I said I would! Take him! She yelled from under the cover of her forearms. Besides a furious cursing attacking Walter... There was absolute silence. Perhaps it was too late. Maybe her sudden change of mind had angered the things. Maybe she had angered him. Please! Come on! Have him! She screamed. Who the hell are you talking to? Are you trying to get me robbed, you little brat? Walter lunged for her neck, but halted when they heard rustling within the darkness of the woods. Tanya could see hints of maroon throughout the shadows, and let out a slight smirk. A screech rang out into the air, then others followed as if it were an echo. Walter sat straight and frantically scanned the tree line. Who's there? He said. Tanya slowly stood up and brushed crumpled snow from her uniform. She knew what would come next, but she needed to see it. Cloaked figures emerged from the dark. One of the figures let out a sharp, jagged, buttery yellow smile at Walter. Tanya? What the hell is this? He moaned, beginning to stagger away. Suddenly, a figure rushed towards him and knocked him over onto his back. More screeches rang out into the cold, crisp air. Tanya observed her surroundings to see if anyone caught wind or could hear the commotion. Help me! Walter screamed as they tore his suit to shreds. 
Tanya's emotions jumped from terrified to pleasure in mere seconds. She slowly backed away with a slight smile on her face, watching every movement, not missing any detail. A horde formed around him, all kneeling above the helpless man while they took what they could. Walter's screams grew louder as they tore at his stomach and pulled at his intestines like rope. The ringleader of the pack grabbed the screaming man by the head and twisted it fully around in one swift motion. No longer could Tanya hear his desperate screams, just the sound of chewing, tearing, and ravenous groans. One of the things was stripping every ounce of meat off of Walter's thigh bone. The ringleader stood up and directed his attention towards Tanya. Her smile quickly faded, realizing that she could very well be next. He gave a bloody grin and placed his long index finger over his thin, greasy lips. She nodded submissively and kept backing up through the snowy field. When the crowd of things was merely a maroon stain against the snow in the distance, she turned around and sprinted as fast as she could back to the girl's dormitory. She grabbed her things from her room and struggled to get them all down the stairs at once. She ran through the open corridor of the campus. Her pace did not slow once, even after she made it to the parking lot and saw the driver waiting there at the entrance. She knocked on the window with her fist full of luggage, and the driver immediately hopped out of the vehicle to assist her. She opened the back door and sunk into the leather seats, feeling relieved to be so close to her clean getaway. The driver closed the trunk and looked around. Where's Mr. Bra? He's handling business. He said it will take him a while and that we should leave without him. But I am telling you what he said, what I want. We're leaving now, Tanya said sternly. The driver and Tanya had a standoff for a few seconds before he finally nodded his head and closed her door. He entered the driver's seat and looked into the rear view. Are you sure he's okay with this? I'm not trying to get fired or anything, ma'am. You work for me now, she said assuringly. The driver shrugged his shoulders and put the car into drive. As they pulled out of the school parking lot, Tanya turned her head away never wanting to see that place again. She laid down across the back seats and closed her eyes, wanting desperately to sleep. The car came to a halt, and Tanya's eyes finally opened. Back home, ma'am, the driver said. She sat up and leaped from the car, desperate to get inside. The driver began taking her things out of the trunk and placing them on their doorstep. Once he was done, he got back inside of the vehicle and waved goodbye. Tanya gave a small wave back, then went for the door. She ran inside and saw her mother sitting at the dining room table. I'm back, she said cheerfully. Where's Walter? Still in the car? Her mother said without looking up. Ironically, she was reading the magazine that Tanya had left in her car the day before. I forgot how garbage these things were. She said, tossing the magazine aside. Tanya's smile faded instantly. She hadn't even said hello to her, 
yet she was already worried about her precious Walter. No, he won't be coming home. He said he's done with us. He won't be coming back, she said flatly. What do you mean? Her mother said, placing her hand on her hip with concern. I mean, it's just us now, and it will stay that way forever. There were a few moments of silence. Tanya tried desperately to hide her grin from her clearly upset mother. Tanya? What did you say to him? What did you do? Her mother said through her teeth. Nothing, mother. I didn't do anything at all. You shouldn't be too upset about it, though. We still have all his money. That's what all of this was ever about anyways. Money, right? I was never that stupid. You shut your damn mouth, her mother said, taking a step closer to her and cocking her hand back. I wouldn't do that if I were you, mother. I'll just stay silent and keep still until you accept things for how they are now. Tanya turned around and slowly walked to her room. She threw herself on her bed and smiled to herself. She felt relieved. She felt accomplished. Her mother was right. Sometimes in life, you have to make choices that other people may not like. But she was very wrong about one thing. It was about what she wanted. I hope you enjoyed Brightly Dim, as written by A.Y. Holiday and performed by Olivia Steele, Melissa Medina, Heather Ordover, Kyle Stroud, and me. Heather Ordover can be found on the amazing Craft Lit podcast, as well as on our channel. That's C-R-A-F-T-L-I-T, all one word. Kyle Stroud's work can be found here on our network, as well as on his website, at kylestroud.com. That's K-Y-L-E-S-T-R-O-U-D.com. Voice actress Melissa Medina's work can be found on the official Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel as well as her website, hearmelissa.com. That's H-E-A-R-M-E-L-I-S-S-A.com. And of course, voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion, Yours truly, Nick Goroff, can be found right here on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join me on my newly-fledged YouTube channel, 2BR Not To Be, spelled as Vonnegut did, number 2, BR, number 0, number 2, letter B, right here on YouTube, where I've been posting new original speculative science fiction. And of course, subscribe to us here on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Nick Goroff, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week, when we once again 
turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling tales for dark nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.